Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You gotta score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation. We're back at it in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio for the next three hours. Demond Cotton, your boy Q, coming off the heels of the JT The Brick Show, who rocked the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio from noon to two. And before that was the morning tailgate, Clay Baker, Vinny, Bonsignor, and Heidi Fang holding down from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. And so now it's our turn on the sticks. It's like when you get booted off in Madden, right? Once you get booted off in Madden, you win and you stay on. So that's what we're doing. We're winning and staying on for the next three hours. Very excited about the guests that we have coming up on the show. Always excited to be able to interact with Raider Nation. So we're going to have a lot of fun on today's show. Of course, you can always interact with the show at 702-365-9200. Also, our don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword r is brought to you by the DLC. We definitely appreciate them each and every day. And man, the guests, when I say we have some guests on the show today, we definitely have some good guests today. One of my favorites is off top at 2.30. Charles Davis from CBS Sports does fantastic work. He does a lot with CBS Sports. He does a lot with NFL Network. He's with the 33rd team. I mean, he's doing just about everything. So he dips his toes in the NFL, the college game, the draft. I mean, he's just kind of all over the places. So anytime we get an opportunity to talk to the CD, it's always a lot of fun. So he'll join us at 2.30. We'll talk about the Raiders. We'll talk about where they're at right now. Talk about the roster, how they can improve it, how they can compete with some of the teams that are the better teams in the league, even the ones that are competing this weekend. Talk to them about that. Talk to them about some of the prospects coming up in the upcoming draft and, and, and how the Raiders maybe could turn things around quick, fast, and in a hurry. Just get his thoughts on all things NFL, guys that are currently playing, guys that will be playing next year. Charles J. Davis from CBS Sports will join us coming up at 2.30. As we keep the party rolling at 3 o'clock, Damian Parson, he's from the Draft Network. And we've been doing a lot of different draft conversations, but that's what they've been, draft conversations. They've been conversations about different players. There's a ton of mock drafts out right now. I don't even take mock drafts seriously right now until after the Super Bowl, after free agency, <laughs> right? Around, around that time, once you see what a team does in free agency, then you can start to say, okay, how are they going to fill the voids? How are they going to fill the holes on their team? So that's when I start really paying attention to mock drafts because right now, I mean, there's a ton of them. I saw uh, just the other day a draft that was a seven-round mock draft already, and I said, like, how are we looking at January, late January, almost February, and there's already a seventh-round mock draft? Like, I can't go that way. So we'll just talk to them about players. And I know this is always a time that a lot of people get excited to hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line and say, hey, can you ask this guy about so-and-so, like a player that you've been watching in college? And really, what I really want to focus in on, and DeMond brought this up on the show the other day, last year at this time, I knew who the best corners were coming off the board. I knew who the quarterbacks that I thought were going to be the real deal quarterbacks coming off the board. I knew who the best defensive tackles were. You know what I mean? Like, I had a really good idea, and it's funny because the Raiders played in the playoffs. So I wasn't even really focused on the draft until the playoffs was over, until their season was officially over, but I still was so locked in on who was coming out and really deep diving into college football. Right now, I feel like this draft has a lot of good players, and I say that with all due respect. I think there's a lot of really good players. I don't know if there's any greats, you know, and I'm sure there are, right, because I don't know every player coming out, but... I don't feel like there's any of the just elite of the elite. Like Sauce Gardner, for example. Everyone and their mother knew Sauce Gardner was going to be a dude. There was no doubt about it. I remember talking to Daniel Jeremiah when the draft was here in Las Vegas last year. We were at Caesars, and <laughs> I said, well, the Raiders don't have a first-round draft pick. I like Sauce Gardner as a corner, but, uh, you know, who, who else is who, – who, who are the other corners that are going to be really good? And he said, yeah, if, uh, if Sauce is still on the board by the time the Raiders pick, something went terribly wrong for Sauce. Like there was some kind of internet thing that happened, uh, like Laramie Tunsil back in the day, or, or something crazy went if, uh, if Sauce is still on the board by the time the Raiders pick, which obviously he wasn't, went very high to the Jets and uh, just a fantastic young player. But I just wanted to kind of know what positions are deep. What positions may have more really good players in it? Like, is it the cornerback position? Is it the offensive line position? Uh, I think that we know the quarterbacks that we had the names out there, the Bryce Youngs, the Will Levitts, the, you know, the C.J. Strouds, you know, cats like that, Anthony Richardson. But there's so many, I feel like there's so many questions when it comes to those guys as well. So Damian Parson from the Draft Network, he'll join us at 3 o'clock and really just kind of break down what he's seeing, what he's hearing, what he's thinking, especially right now. 
Things could change after the Shrine Bowl. Things could change after the Senior Bowl. Things could change after the Combine. Guys are going to go up and down depending on what they do. Well, we're going to talk to Damian about what he's feeling right now on January 26th. That's coming up at 3 o'clock. We'll have Cover 3 NFL News and Notes of the Day coming up at 3.30. Then at 4 o'clock, we'll get back into our guest and Vinny Bonsignor from the Morning Tailgate and the RJ. He'll join us. He joins us each and every Thursday just to kind of give us his thoughts on the state of the team. That'll come up at 4 o'clock. Always a good conversation with Vinny Bonsignor. Then at 4.30, we've got to make a hard right. But we've got to make a hard right because today is the day when we all found out about Kobe Bryant passing away three years ago. I remember to the day exactly where I was when I got the news. I remember my exact reaction when I got the news. We were in Miami preparing for the Super Bowl, which is crazy because we've been sitting here around the the office talking about Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. What are we going to do on Radio Row? Me and my radio station at ESPN Central Texas, we were there in Miami. We were setting up our equipment on the Sunday And it's so funny because I was putting up the equipment, my guy Paul was putting up the equipment, and David was putting up the equipment. His son, Craig, he doesn't really help a lot, right? He's not really that guy. You know know how you got a homeboy, right, that is like a supervisor, but he's not really a supervisor, right? You you know those guys, right, Damon? Yeah, you ever work a moving job? Yeah. You got to get those boxes and always that one guy. There's always a guy that's just kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. So that that was Craig. Craig's the guy who just kind of walked around, sat on his phone, would sit down and you know, and then we'd yell at him like, hey, man, can you give me some tape? Can you give me a hand? Can you do Oh, okay. You know, so he was kind of oblivious. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, he said, guys, guys, guys. And I have never seen him get so energetic at one time, you know, when we're not on the air or something. I said, what's up? I think Kobe just passed. And I was like, get the hell out of here. And that's exactly what I said to him. I just looked at him, get the hell out of here. Shut up. And he's like, no, I think so. I, I, it's not confirmed yet, but I think, I think so. I was like, man, come on. And then all of a sudden... You look around the convention center, and there was probably about 15 to 20 of us setting up our, our respective radio stations. Everyone's looking down at their phone. Everyone's looking down at their phone. And I was like, wait, are you serious? And he was like, yeah. And I immediately thought of my mom because my mom calls Kobe her, her, her other son, obviously the more successful son. <laughs> right? <laughs> he was a little bit more successful than her real son. Just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. But it's so funny because I was like, Oh, no, I immediately thought of her. Like, I got to tell her before she, like, turns on the TV and sees it or something because she's going to be devastated. So I was like, Mom, I don't know. I text her. I don't know if this is true or not. I'm still trying to investigate. But I think Kobe might have passed or something like that. And she was like, you know, get the hell out of here. Whatever. Like, you know, just – and I was like, I don't know. We're looking at it right now. And then all of a sudden, sure enough, we found out that it was true. And then the whole first day, that Monday on Radio Row, there was no conversation about the NFL. There was no conversation about the Super Bowl. It was all Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant. I mean, the whole day on Monday. And then a little bit trickling in Tuesday, and then finally we got into NFL conversation. But it's so crazy that that's what happened. And then I remember walking back from the liquor store in Miami to our Airbnb, and a guy was literally at the time putting up a mural of Kobe Bryant on the wall. In Miami. Not in L.A. In Miami. And I was like, wow, that hit quick. And so that was three years ago. Like, I can't believe that that time has gone by that quickly. It's three years ago. So today was a day. So we'll talk to Trevor Lane from LakersNation.com at 430. We'll talk to him about, obviously, Kobe Bryant. We'll talk about what, you know, what he meant to the team, where he was when he found out the news. I mean, this will always be one of those days that you always think about Kobe being Bryant. And then we'll also talk about the Lakers a little bit, a little something-something. LeBron's still doing his thing. But for the majority of the conversation... It'll be about Kobe Bryant, and I got to give a lot of folks credit. I heard a lot of people calling in the JT's show, uh, JT's show, talking about Kobe and what they, you know, what he meant to him, and you know, a lot of folks. Kobe Bryant was their Michael Jordan, right? I mean, I, I was blessed that I was a Michael Jordan guy, but I was also a Kobe Bryant guy. A lot of folks were like, oh, it's just about LeBron. Kobe was that dude. <laughs> Kobe yeah. was that dude. Kobe's got two jerseys retired, right? Kobe was that dude, and also your brother, the same age as my dad, and I remember where I was. Damn, I was, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to take that. <laughs> you're still young enough, but <laughs> I gotta, I gotta think about that. <laughs> but as we're, but as the Kobe, like you remember right where you were, I would just finish eating breakfast at IHOP, and I'm sitting in the car, and then I get a call from my dad, and he says, I, I just pulled over the car on the side of the road. He wanted to call me and talk about Kobe, and it was just one of those surreal moments of. Not only is it Kobe just passing, this is important, but it was a good bonding moment for me with my father of. We're just talking about Kobe for 30 minutes. Right. And he wanted to just pull over on the side of the road and talk to me about Kobe because he's one of those guys where, yes, he got to see Jordan, but it's the 
Kobe was that guy coming up. And for me, mm-hmm. do I th- do I like LeBron a little bit more? Yes, but Kobe was the guy that personified when you how serious do you take the game of basketball? The mentality that every athlete, no matter what yeah. sport you're playing, Kobe was that guy that personifies as being a dog. Right, right, right. No, and, and you know it's it's funny. Anytime you mess around and you're you're in, you know, like we could be in the studio, we ball up some paper and throw it to the trash can. What do what does everybody say? Kobe. Kobe. That's what they all say. They don't say LeBron. They don't go MJ. They don't go AI. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's Kobe. So I mean, he was he was just that dude, man. And to see him, you know, grow from being you know the guy coming out of high school, going to the Lakers eventually after getting drafted by the Hornets, and going to the Lakers and really trying too hard when he first hit the scene, right? Trying really too hard, and finally just to kind of calm the hell down and and just embrace his game. And then you just saw him grow and take off. And man, he was. He was that dude, and I'll tell you right now, man, uh, my mom, she, I think she's, I mean, she honestly believes that Kobe's her son, right? I don't know how that happened, <laughs> but she believes it. <laughs> she always says, Kobe's my other son. So uh, I know that that was, uh, you know, that that was a, a big deal for her, and it's just, it was crazy. So we'll talk to Trevor Lane, LakersNation.com. Like I said, we'll take a little bit of a right turn coming up at 430, but for a really good reason. So Charles Davis, Damian Parson, Vinny Bonsignor, Trevor Lane, those are the guests that we have all coming up on the show between now and five. Plus, we got Black Crows tickets that we've been giving out all week long. We'll give out some more. Now let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. It's funny, we got a tweet already from Raider Fish in Berkeley, and he put them in all caps, so that means he's serious. Right? If you put something in all caps, that means you're serious and you want it to be heard. He said, do not trade out from seven to get to one through six. Stay the course or let a team trade from eight to 32 to number seven and get multiple picks. This is not the year to give up picks. This is the year to get them next year. That's Raider Fisher Berkeley. Again, remember, all in caps. So he's serious about his business when he says a tweet like that. But it's funny. We've been talking a lot about defense, how to improve the team. What do you rather have? And You know, there's a lot of conversations, obviously, about Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, or some veteran like Jimmy G. I've heard the morning tailgate talk about Jimmy G in nauseam, right? And that's not a disrespect to them. It's just that he's one of the guys that people are talking about. And to me, and this is just me, and I don't want to sound disrespectful, I feel like it's almost a lateral move with Jimmy G, especially because of his injury history. But that's just me. So I thought about it, and I do this a lot while I'm driving. I start thinking of of different ideas to bring to the show and, and, and get your ideas and, and also hear from Raider Nation at 702-365-9200 and also our don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword r Would you be okay if the Raiders went, say they sat at number seven like Raider Fish said, you know, don't trade up, but if they sat at number seven and their franchise quarterback just happened to fall to them, say it was a C.J. Stroud, hell, say it was a Bryce Young for some, I don't know, just for S's and giggles, right? Just say for some reason a quarterback fell to him and they drafted him at number seven. Would you be okay starting him? No. Because John McClain tells me all the time, you can start a rookie quarterback, but that's basically like saying that's a, it's a redshirt year, right? Your, your expectations aren't very high. So I just want to know, you know, get him, get him a little experience. Forget the rest of the team because I know someone's going to say, well, is Devontae going to like, like, don't worry about that right now. Just put yourself in the shoes of the GM. Put yourself in the shoes of the coach. If you went and got a guy that you felt was your franchise quarterback, he was going to be your dude. He was going to be the dude that was going to compete with Mahomes, Herbert, Russell Wilson for years to come. He was going to be that guy. You felt comfortable he was going to be that, that guy that could compete with him and run with him. Would you be all right with, with, with starting him day one, or, or does he have to sit? I know that you said don't think about the rest of the team, but then that's signifying a, a rebuild to the fan base, if you ask me, and to the guys well, in the locker room. I, I, that's why I'm asking you. Yeah, so <laughs> I, that's why I'm not okay. No, but you said that you can't think about – you got to think about the championship window, like Devontae Adams, his prime. Would it be good for that quarterback's development to be able to throw to all the weapons that the Raiders have on the roster now? Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great for his confidence to have a pro bowler here, a pro bowler there, the league's leading rusher right behind you. Right. Yeah, all that would be if great. If you believe he's the dude, why not? And I'm just playing devil's advocate. Yeah, but if you believe he's the dude, right. but maybe he'll be the dude next year. Okay. But obviously you're going to have to see what he has. But just when it comes to the window, okay. you're not looking at more than uh, he's got to come. He would have to be the dude. Well, but I don't think anybody's you're, had, not, you're not getting him at number seven if you don't believe he's a dude. Like You're not getting a guy at number seven to think that he might be a really good backup later on. Right? If you get a guy at number seven, a quarterback, let's just focus on the quarterback. If you get that quarterback, you believe he's going to be your franchise guy, right? Yes, but I think every court, like let's take last year's draft, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, okay, it's good that he got the start, but he probably could have benefited from sitting, sitting a little bit. Trevor Lawrence? Unless you want to give him those reps. 
Yeah, the he's been pick. in the league a couple years. Oh, now. excuse me, not last year. Number two, okay, two years. Okay, you're, but you're still talking about Trevor Lawrence. He went number one overall. Yes, but I'm saying he could have benefited from sitting a little bit. He didn't come out and set the world on fire. Is what I'm saying. Okay, is that even if okay. you do throw a guy into the fire and say, "Hey, you're you're our franchise guy now," even if you know that. Let's take Zach Wilson for an example. He wasn't ready to be a starter, and maybe his progress is already stunted now. Well, I know a quarterback that got taken in round two and started. Started nine years for the franchise. Just saying. Never sat behind anybody. I'm just, Again, just playing devil's advocate. Just say, looking at the other side of the fence. I'm just saying for me, I think that have them sit. Put, okay. Get somebody in front of them. Okay. Because with this roster, this is more of a win-now roster. And, hey, you could learn something from a veteran quarterback instead of that pressure of, hey, man, you've got a Hall of Fame receiver, like I said, the league's leading rusher, a Pro Bowl tight end, and a Pro Bowl slot receiver, and everybody's going to be looking at you as – you got to get us. You got to at least get us to the playoffs in your first year. Now I know that every athlete would say, "Hey, I want that pressure. I want to be the best. I want to be the greatest of all time." Because that's the type of mindset you have to have to make it to the professionals, make it to the NFL. But is that pressure going to be a downfall or maybe a detriment mm-hmm. to that quarterback's development if he doesn't live up to the expectations? And I'm not saying I disagree with you. I'm just I'm just making the argument for the other side of things because a lot of times when you get drafted as high as these guys are getting drafted uh, now, they don't expect to sit very long, maybe a year. And we're talking about guys like, you know, maybe a veteran like Aaron Rodgers could come in or a guy like Jimmy G or a guy like Tom Brady. That's, to me, one to two years max with those two Older veterans, with Jimmy G, it could be two, three years. Who knows? Who knows what the case may be? You know, obviously you'd have to hold on to that job. But I'm just kind of thinking, like, would you, if you were excited, you know what I mean? Like, for me, when Derek got drafted, I was excited to see him out there because I knew that they didn't have a quarterback for so long that I was like, man, I want to see what this, this young dude could do. And then when he did in that fourth preseason game against Seattle in the Oakland Coliseum, a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of people don't take fourth preseason games to mean a whole lot of nothing. It meant a whole lot of something for him. He won that starting job that day. I promise you. I didn't have to be on the sideline to tell you he won that starting job that day against Seattle when they had half of their starters in on defense for about a, a drive or two. But he looked decent. He looked apart. Looked like, yeah, he could probably roll. He could probably he could probably be the guy. And and he started day one. And I was okay with that because I felt like he gave that team hope. But he, to your credit, didn't have the weapons that he has, well, that the team has right now. Yeah, and an example that I'll use, talk about what you know about Malik Willis, where I think that, oh, man, you draft him, that's going to be a good move down the line. Let Ryan Tannehill just continue to be average for another year but I or think two. Malik Willis is a different dude, though. I, I mean, like, he's a dude that we still have questions, like, is he really a dude? You know, yeah, the you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, we've seen in the, in the two starts that he had, it was, A, it's looking bad. Now, imagine <laughs> if he had to start, you know, a full 17 games, and if it was just hey, man, it's all you all 17 games. Right. It would have been even worse. No, you're right. You're right, and they might have had to bench him. You know, but then I think, you know, look at Pittsburgh. They threw Kenny Pickett into the fire after a, after a few games. Not years, a few games. And he damn near got him to the playoffs. Right? I mean, he wasn't fantastic, but he was good enough. Yeah, good enough for that team with that defense, with Mike Tomlin. And also, it's about the situation that you have around you. Right. So, Woody, it would be sink or swim. But for me, with the weapons around him, it would be, hey, man, don't mess this up for us. Right. And you don't want to put all of that on a rookie's shoulders, to me. Well, we'd love to hear from you at 702-365-9200, don'tbebroke.com, text line 69187, keyword R&R. We're just spitballing around the water cooler today. If the Raiders were to draft a guy at number 7 overall, that quarterback that they felt like could be the franchise guy, because, again, you're not picking a guy at number 7. And don't think he's the franchise guy. Now, if you get a guy in round three, that's a different ball game. Or even late round two, different ball game. But if you get a guy in top ten, you believe he's your starter. There's nobody that's drafting a quarterback in the top ten that's thinking, yeah, maybe he'll work out as a quarterback. Maybe he'll be a backup. Nobody's saying that. They, they might end up being a backup because they ain't worth the salt. And there's been plenty of those examples. But if you get a guy, even in the first round, you think he's your franchise quarterback. Yeah, I was going to say, if you got a top 10 pick, every team in the top 10 should say, this guy's at least going to be a pro bowler. Right. Because we're picking in the top 10 because we need help. Right, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, let's go. Let me go to the text line real quick. Gizmo said, 10-year vet or Mr. Irrelevant, it don't matter who you are as long as you win the battle in camp and earn it. Then you start. Okay? Uh, another one, Q. Joshua Daniels won 10 games with the rookie and Mac Jones. He was able to field a playoff offense with Mac Jones and win as many games as the Raiders Old with uh, did with Carr the same year. 100% the Raiders could win with a rookie quarterback. So there's a couple different conversations right there. One, earn it in camp. Okay. Another one, yeah, Joshua Daniels has done it with the rookie. So what says you? 702-365-9200. Who we got up? Hardcore Raider. Hardcore, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, Q? So, like, 
I look at this question and like, you know, if we look at our own careers, like say when you were a younger cat and like you were coming up in the ranks in the radio realm or like say demand, like, would you be ready to go on the mic day one without some guidance and like kind of coaching you and, and like learning the ropes from someone else? Or do you think you could have been like just thrown in the fire and figured it out? I mean, there's two different methods to go about it. What, what do right. you think about that? No, I mean, I, I understand where you're going with it. No, I couldn't have done a show like I could do a show now. Uh, I couldn't do that day one, but I, t- I tell you right now, if I got hired day one, I'd have been like, yeah, I can do it. I just would have probably failed miserably in the first break, and I'd have been like DeMond said the other day, can't wait till commercial. <laughs> can't wait till commercial right. so I can get them butterflies out my belly. Right. So so I guess my, my point is, is like one is trial by fire, which means you could figure it out, Be like even if you're a stud talent, you know, uh, like starter day one, you could figure it out on your own. It might take a, a little bit of bumps and bruises and stuff like that. Uh, or you like sit back and you get to wear the headset and kind of see the play calling, see how the coach thinks. And, and that I think can also be beneficial to a team because then you're learning the ins and outs from a different perspective where on your, when you're on the field and it's, you know, the, the play calling and everything's a lot faster in the NFL versus college uh, you can figure it out. But I just think that it can also be beneficial if you sit. So uh, I guess my point is, is like sit, there could be a lot of benefits to sit in someone. It may not even, they may not even need to sit for a full year. It could be like a few games, a right. half year or something like that. What would you prefer? What would you prefer from, if you had to make the call, if hardcore Raider had to make the call, are you sitting your guy if you pick him at seven or are you, are you going to start him right away? I think the coaching from like having someone like a mentor and learning learning the ropes has a, a better long term effect for someone's growth, no matter what career it is, but especially football, than just putting them out there and kind of you know they got to learn on the fly, you know. So I, I think the long term growth would be to sit them. Okay. And yeah. Sounds sounds good. Thank you for the call. Appreciate you. Just want to know. If you would be okay starting a rookie quarterback if the Raiders believed that that was their franchise guy. If you get a guy at number seven, obviously you believe he's your franchise guy. Got a text here. Pretty sure Levis will be there at seven, and yes, I would start him. It's a rebuilding year anyway, even though no one is admitting it. That's from 805 Raider. Thank you for that text. Appreciate you. 702-365-9200. You can hit us up at any time with your calls and texts. And, of course, DeMond will let me know. And then the, the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. We got any more I got to go to real quick? All right, don't. All right, we'll go to the text line then. That's what we'll do. Uh, Sir Whiskey Ray, say Q and D. Good afternoon. I appreciate you bringing up Kobe on this day. As a diehard Laker fan, uh, to this day, it doesn't even feel right saying the words Kobe passed away. I've never cried on a player passing away, but I did on this day three years ago. I was blessed to watch him play live in Oakland fourteen total times over the years. You say Kobe, and I, autom- I automatically think determination, championship, and perfection. That's from our guy Sir Whiskey Ray. So there you go. Good stuff right there on uh, Kobe Bryant, which we will be talking to Trevor Lane from LakersNation.com and uh, the front office show coming up at 4.30. We'll talk all things Kobe, plus we'll talk uh, all things Lakers, just what they got going on. But, again, not saying that a guy's got to go in there and start. I'm actually in the firm camp of letting a guy sit, especially if you have a a, a bona fide starter in front of him, like a a real deal guy in front of him. I'm just looking at the other side of it and, and seeing how comfortable you'd be with a guy that you believe, or, or the team at least believes, could be their guy. So, you know, sometimes it's good to get those bumps and bruises out early and start to learn. Uh, I'm that kind of guy. Like, you can't sit down and give me instructions. I won't read them. I'm just not good at them. But if you put me in the mix, I'll find a way to make it work. You know, as, as things go, I'll get more comfortable, I'll get more relaxed, and I'll be able to do what I got to do. And then I'll just go out there and do it at the highest level. That's, that's just me, but that's, I know everyone's not that same person. So maybe it has a lot to do with whatever person it is, whatever the personality of the guy that, that they select is. 702-365-9200. Who we got up? Raider Fish in Berkeley. <laughs> Raider Fish hit us with a tweet to start things off. Now he's hitting us with a call. What up, dog? Hey, I uh, I just tuned in. I literally uh, was away from my computer. I sent a tweet, and then the old lady had me doing something in the garage. What are we talking about today, baby? (laughs) Raider Fish, Raider Fish, Raider Fish. All right, here we go. Would you be okay with starting a rookie quarterback if the Raiders believed that he was their franchise guy? Say they selected him at number seven. Would you be okay if come the first day of the season he's out there under center? Now, let me ask a clarifying question, if I may, okay? Uh, Do we have – are we – Take it preseason into account, or or or, or what's it's, the variable? It's what, what's whatever's the, in your mind, brother. Whatever's in your okay, mind. Right on. Hey, if let them compete and let the best do win. So whoever wins uh, the the preseason situation, then damn it, let them start. But you know, again, I'm gonna beat the drum until I got a hole in it. 
if we got dominant line and scrimmage play. Let's please address that, okay? Because whoever back there without the old line, they gonna get killed. Right. Right. No, and we and we and we understand that. We're just we're just talking about the quarterback. We're just talking about the quarterback. We just want to know what you would want to do if you had a rookie quarterback. Let's go back out to the phone lines real quick. 702-365-9200. Who's up next? 502 Raider D. What up, Raider D? Welcome to the show. What's going on, fellas? Uh, I, man, I love Raider Fisher cracking up every time he's on the line. Check this out. Right now in, in, in the NFL, I think you start the rookie. I mean, especially if it's a, if it's a guy that's going to be durable like Will Levis. You know, being from Kentucky, I'm a Kentucky fan. I would love to see him out there, man. You put a... You, you, you keep who we have right now, and you start the guy. That's what this league is going to. You start it, and you, and you ride a down. That's what I believe. That's mine. That's all, all right. I got. Good stuff. Good stuff. I like it. Thanks for the call, my man. Get one quick tweet in, then we'll take a quick break. Uh, RaidersBurner91, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, I'm down to start the quarterback. Mac Jones had a Pro Bowl year as a rookie and probably would have looked way better if Josh had stayed in New England. There will be growing pains, but the speed of the game can't be practiced. Build the O-line and let them cook with Adams. That is from RaidersBurner91. That's the question. We want to hear from you on the Dolbybroke.com text line. 69187, keyword R&R. Would you be okay with starting a rookie quarterback if the Raiders believe that that was their franchise guy? Coming up next, Charles Davis, CBS Sports Radio. We'll ask him his philosophy. Starting a rookie, letting him sit for a year. We'll start off with that next on Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Expect... Expected to be joined by Charles Davis from CBS Sports in just a matter of minutes here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Threw the question out there to you. Would you be okay with starting a rookie quarterback if the Raiders believed he was your franchise guy? So basically, if they went and got him at number seven, would you be okay with him starting day one? So that's that's the question we threw out there to you. 69187, keyword R&R. Join us now on the phone lines from CBS Sports Radio is our good friend Charles Davis. And Charles, thanks so much for your time. We always appreciate you. It's been a minute, man. How's things going? Things are going great. How are you, Q? Oh, man, fantastic, fantastic. And I know that you, you know, you, you're always on the NFL game. You're covering the draft. You're covering college football. We had a question that we threw out there, and I want to get your philosophy. Do you believe in starting a rookie quarterback day one, or do you think that they should sit behind a, a veteran? Hey, listen, look, we can always go degrees of things, but let me just pose it this way. If I'm drafting him in the upper, upper echelon, I'm not wasting any time. I'm doing my best to get him going day one. I know what the philosophy is. I know the old school deal. Let him sit, let him learn, let him spend some time. Every time I hear a general manager go to the podium and tell me that, I feel like they tell me that, and then within three games, he's in the lineup anyway. Right. So I always, I always go back and go, seems like he just wasted three weeks to me. <laughs> because, you know, you, if you're going to play him that early, like, Eli Manning didn't play until week 10, right? Josh Freeman, there's a name out of the past, right. right? He was somewhere around week 9 or 10 before he played, okay? Um, obviously, uh, Carson Palmer sat out the entire first year behind John Kitna, okay, before he took over. Patrick Mahomes played one game, and that's because Kansas City was already in the playoffs, and he played the last game of the regular season to rest Alex Smith, and then he took over. It's rare nowadays, though. If you draft a guy up high, he's not going to play early. Matt Ryan got the ball right away. Andy Dalton got the ball right away. Cam Cam Newton got the ball right away. Troy Aikman got the ball right away. I can go on forever. Mm-hmm. I'm not wasting time if that's my guy. I still remember Jacksonville when Dave Caldwell was the GM, and he went up and said, oh, we're going to treat it like a redshirt year for him. I think it's week three. <laughs> right. Who are we kidding? Right. Like, Seriously? There's a reason you drafted him that high. The only reason he shouldn't be playing that early is if he goes to camp and totally spits the bit or you have an injury. Other than that, I'm figuring out what, what is it going to take to get him comfortable, to get him on the field and get him experience, and, oh, he can get his confidence shattered. Oh, he can do this. That's your job. Right. Okay? Yeah. To figure out how to not let that happen. But other than that, I'm not a big proponent of the, old, well, I'm going to draft him and sit him. Yeah, it can work, 
but you better have the right people in place. A kitten that was the right person for Cincinnati. Um, Alex Smith, they were going to the playoffs with Alex Smith. Mm-hmm. So, so that makes perfect sense to me, but I'm going to draft a guy with a bad team or we weren't, we weren't winning and I'm going to sit him. No chance. Right. No, it makes a lot of sense. It really does. And you know, the, the Raiders find themselves in a, in a weird position. They're picking at number seven. They have a lot of talent, but they only won six games. And now their quarterback they had for nine years is not going to be their quarterback. So the conversation is, is it a veteran like a Brady or a Rodgers or maybe a Jimmy G? Or is it smarter just to go in if you feel like your guy is there, your franchise guy is there, to go get him and let, him ri- and let it rip? Well, I do think a lot of that, to me, depends on the rest of your roster. Do you have a playoff-ready roster? Right. Do you have a roster that you think that, that, that you can plug in a Brady or a Rodgers and you're going to go deep into the playoffs and have a chance to get to the big prize? Mm-hmm. If you don't have the rest of that around you, I don't know why you're spending time about that. Right. Because cause, cause that's not going to help you. You know, if you don't feel like that, that rock, look, we can all talk about that quarterback lifts and lifts everyone up around them. Tampa Bay, which won a title with Tom Brady, goes to the playoffs the next year, and then this year they win a division with a losing record and get jumped on in the playoffs. Tom Brady can only elevate you so much. Okay, if everything else isn't there, you just don't have it. So that's what I look at all the time. For me, it's do I have that type of roster where I can plug that quarterback in and go? And even then, Q, you and I both know, but that's no guarantee either because you remember when the Vikings made that big move for Kirk Cousins all those years ago? Yep, yep. They really thought that they were a quarterback away, right? Yep. From going to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. They still haven't gotten there. No, no, they haven't. Even with the fantastic season that they had as far as win-loss goes this year, still didn't have a shot, right? They were out of there immediately out of the playoffs. Charles Davis is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 and SA Roughness. DeMond's got one for you. I know you talked about those quarterbacks being good enough to elevate a team, but one in particular, Aaron Rodgers. There's been a lot of talk about where he will go. The Jets signing Nathaniel Hackett moved up the odds here in Vegas of them signing him. But how much do you think Aaron Rodgers has left in the tank? I think he's got a lot left in the tank. I I also, (laughs) you know, I'm not playing odds and gambling or anything like that, but I just don't buy the idea that Nathaniel Hackett is someplace that, 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 that piques Aaron Rodgers' interest that much. No, everybody acts like you know they're like tied at the hip. I don't buy it. Mm-hmm. I don't buy it at all. I think Aaron Rodgers is much more about the situation than he is about the person. You know, is this an opportunity for me to go do this, this, and this? And the Jets would be intriguing Nathaniel Hackett or not. Right. Defense was phenomenal last year. Offense abysmal, especially down the stretch. So can Aaron Rodgers get that going? Well, I think that the offense can be better. They'll get Elijah Vera Tucker back on the offensive line. If Makai Becton comes in ready to go, and I'm hearing that his weight is already down and he's putting in great effort in the offseason and rehab, if he comes back and they rebuild that offensive line, which, which can be pretty decent if you get those two going, now you, now you throw in and you get back Brees Hall as a runner to go with Michael Carter um, and, and, and what they found this year. Whew. Okay, now they got to get some receivers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the age-old question for Aaron Rodgers, who's going to catch the football? Because outside of Garrett Wilson, they're not very good at receiver. But that, but look, has anybody ever watched the college draft over the last 10 years? And how many receivers get dumped into this league mm-hmm. and can be productive pretty early? Yep. I think you can find receivers all the way through the draft, as well as free agency, to upgrade it if you're the New York Jets. So, yes, it works. And I know a lot of people will ascribe, let's say Aaron Rodgers ends up with the Jets. Oh, then Samuel Hackett thing was really big. I'm not saying it wasn't a, a factor. But I don't think it's the factor that people are saying that it is. I agree. I agree 100%. Let me ask you this, because we talked about it the other day, about the talent coming out of college and the fact that it looks like guys are way more productive now. Are you seeing that? Quarterbacks, wide receivers, everyone's looking like they're, they're ready to play day one? Yeah, a lot more so than, than it's ever been. And, and a lot of that I go back to, I'm 58 years old, guys. Okay, so when I was growing up, the ball in the air was usually a pitch off of a wishbone or a veer option. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. <laughs> and if you go to the state of Texas, they delivered us runners. Mm-hmm. Okay. Quarterbacks were just glorified runners. Texas, Oklahoma game every year. Shoot, ball might not be in the air 10 times and they counted as forward passes. But every day go up and down the field pitching it and doing all those other things. Now, you go to the state of Texas, you got real true pitchers, quarterbacks, mm-hmm. just coming out like crazy. Seven on seven much earlier. 
you go watch a Pop Warner game and they're playing out of gun. I mean, it used to be when I was young, you were, you were hoping that the ball could get from the center to the quarterback, you know, as a regular snap. Now they're, now they're snapping it back and, and running everything out of gun, and then the quarterbacks are throwing it. So these guys are throwing it so much more younger. The seven-on-seven camps, the personal quarterback guru coaches, the wide receiver coaches, all those things pitch it, play into it. And when I was a kid, the running backs were the glory position, were the glory position guys. Now it's the quarterbacks and the receivers. And, and yes, these guys are throwing it so much more, so many more reps. Doesn't make you NFL ready, right? But what it does make you a lot more confident going in and able to pick a, pick things up a lot quicker than you ever were when you came in before, where you threw it ten, twelve times, <laughs> and now you got to learn how to do it the NFL way. Charles Davis is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. We have the Shrine Bowl coming up next week here in Vegas. The Senior Bowl obviously is going to be in Mobile. How how big are these showcases for the players and also the coaches that get to coach these young guys and get to learn about them a little bit sooner? Yeah, I'll start with the coaches. It's a little bit different now because it used to be staffs. You know, I mm-hmm. think this is the first year maybe where we're now that you're taking younger coaches and you're elevating them up a position of over what they were before. If you were a coordinator, now you're a head coach, right? If you were a position coach, now you're a coordinator. If you were a quality control coach, now you're a position coach. Giving them a chance to be exposed and, 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 and promote their careers, I think that that is wonderful. That is terrific. For the players themselves, every day is a competition. And the game is what we, we, we advertise, what we show on, on Saturday, and all that's wonderful, Right. The scouts care much more about the practices, <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. because they want to see you compete day in and day out. They want to see improvement during the week. They want to see if you can play, oh, you've been a guard your whole career. Can you slide out the tackle? Hey, can you slide inside the center? Oh, you've been a, you're a big, big wide receiver. Can you come inside and show me some H-back stuff and actually block someone? Oh, you're a, you're a runner. You ran for 1,500 yards. Can you pass protect? You know, mm-hmm. and I can go on all day. They want to put you in a lot of situations. They want to put things up on the board, see what your carryover is from, from the meeting room to the practice field, from the practice field to the game field, all of those things that go on that way. That's what you're looking for. And the lower-level guys, and I hate to use that term, but if you are FCS, right, which is 1AA, I'm still old enough, 1AA, <laughs> Division two, <II, laughs> Division three, you're getting opportunities. Ali Marpet was a Division three player out of Hobart became a Pro Bowl guard in the NFL and played quite well. That started for him at the Senior Bowl where he learned it's not too big for me. Okay? You get guys every year that win awards in Division II, Division Three, that get a chance at the Senior Bowl. How is it with them with the stage? And they come in much more equipped now. Plus, a good number of these guys started in the FCS Power 5 level and transferred back. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like the talent wasn't there. They moved for various reasons, and they're like, yeah, okay. So my helmet says Sam Houston State. Okay? I'm watching Zion, what was it, Zion McCollum, yep. covering punts in the, in the NFL playoffs mm-hmm. and doing it quite well. They can play. They just need that opportunity. This is what they get this week, and that's what everyone's looking to see. Tariq Woolen, he came from UTSA, right? UTSA, <laughs> fifth-round right? pick, fantastic player. Heck of a and, player. and by the way, he was a wide receiver mm-hmm. who would move the defensive back and was still raw as a DB. Right. Exactly. And, and he ended up, you know, blew the doors off the combine, ran and ran 4-2 something in the combine, did all the things, looked the part, but people were still wondering, oh, we haven't seen enough tape, we haven't seen this. And as soon as I saw him, okay, it's easy 2020, right? But I'm quite sure somewhere out there, someone heard me say, if he doesn't look like a Seattle corner, I don't know what does. Mm-hmm. Right. A coach okay? that was. Because of the length, because of the speed, because of that type of ability. He looked like Richard Sherman, bigger and faster. Doesn't mean he's going to be Richard Sherman. Mm-hmm. But boy, he's off to a nice start. I think you said that on this very airways. <laughs> I think you said that last year on these very airways. Go ahead, Devon. <laughs> Of the, of the head coaching vacancies, Frank Wright was hired today as the Carolina Panthers head coach. What do you think of that hire as a guy who was recently let go during the season, and what job remaining do you think is the most attractive out there? Oh, boy. Well, listen, so many people thought the Chargers job was going to come open after the Jacksonville game, right? Mm-hmm. And it didn't. So, so that goes off the boards because everybody was saying, God, if I could coach Justin Herbert, right? I, you know, I think the Frank Reich hire is an excellent hire. 
and it's going to be one of those under-the-radar ones because it's not super sexy. But I thought he did a really nice job with the Colts, and the Colts never gave him that quarterback to truly build with. He had a brand-new starting quarterback every year as head coach there. Mm-hmm. Every year. Yep. Okay? Now, did he push for Carson Wentz? He sure did. He thought that things would work out well. So he bears some of the burden there. But they were within a game of the playoffs that year before Carson played really bad against Jacksonville. I think he does an excellent job. And you know what it's like for a second-time coach who realizes what he did wrong the first time? They often do much better. Bill Belichick was a second-time coach. A lot of people forgot Cleveland. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so all I'm saying is I like that hire. He brings maturity. He brings stability. He knows how to coach quarterbacks. They're going to have to figure out the quarterback position there themselves. But I like what they're doing. The defense is good to start off with. I just think it's a very good hire for them. I was actually hoping for Steve Wilkes to keep the job. I thought he had earned it. Yep. But if he didn't get the job, I think Frank Reich is a really good hire. And it will go and be one of those ones where I think that under the radar now, and later people go, boy, that was a really good hire. That's just how I feel about it now. As far as the best openings that are there, I struggle with that one because I'm not sure which one you just go, oh, I have to have that job, which is why I'm pretty sure Sean Payton's not taking a job this year. Mm. I think he's going to stay in TV and wait for the next cycle. Plus, his price tag is really rich. You talk about draft picks, you know, $20 million, whatever it is. <laughs> But I don't think there's one that he just wakes up and just joneses, I have to have that job. Dallas didn't come open. Okay? The Chargers didn't come open. So you're going to Denver, a little uncertainty about Russell Wilson. What are you getting back with him? Arizona, Kyler Murray. It's not just the knee. It's the organization as a whole. I mean, it's a whole bunch of things that go with it. So I'm not sure which one is the most attractive one out there, to be honest with you. But as one ex-NFL coach told me the other day, he said, Charles, you can send that to me all day you want. There's only 32 of these jobs. They're mm-hmm. all attractive to me. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. No, that's true. There's only 32 starting quarterbacks in the league too, right? <laughs> so right. there's that. Before we let you go, Charles, and this has been fantastic, we got a text uh, asking if we can ask you about uh, Stanford quarterback Tanner McKee, if you've had a chance to really kind of deep dive on him, what your thoughts were on him. Yeah, no, I have not really deep dived okay. on him. Um, I remember him coming out of school. Remember, he was, if I'm not mistaken, I think he took a uh, a um, a break. Right? Wasn't he one of the play- one of the players who took a was it, was he a Mormon mission guy? I'm not 100 percent sure on that. I'm not sure. I'm not 100 percent, but in any event, I remember when he was coming out of high school. But I've not done my deep dive on him yet. I know this: if you come out of Stanford, you are well schooled in a lot of offense with David David Shaw. Yep. Okay, and what I mean by that is. The records may not have been great lately, but what they put on a quarterback is a lot like an NFL team does. There's a lot of verbiage. There's a lot of terminology. There's a lot of reading. There's a lot of things that you have to do as a quarterback to run David Shaw's offense. Listen, you didn't get into Stanford because you don't have brains. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And they don't don't let your brains go to sleep when you come to football practice there either. Mm -hmm. Okay, So that part will serve him well. And I think he's going to be one of those guys that – as we go deeper into the process, it'll be a lot more like Davis Mills when he came out. I thought Davis Mills should have stayed one more year at Stanford. And if he had, I think he would have been the first quarterback off the board his next year. Mm. But he came out a year early, got going, and now Houston's got to decide if he's their guy. I don't think that they will. And it's just one of those things, because Davis Mills only had, I think, what, 11, 13 starts in college? Yep, exactly. Tanner McKee has more than that, and that'll help him. Right, right. It's going to be interesting. And I know, like I said, it's only it's only January 26th, so I know we haven't really gotten into the deep nuts and bolts of the draft yet, but I uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on him. Well, Charles, what, what do yeah, you got? Yeah, what you're telling me is I better get it in gear and get to work. That's you and me both. Okay, no, you and me both. Hey, 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 message received. David, when I ask you a question, you better have an answer for it. Hey, me and you both, you already know how that goes down. What, what do you got coming up? What are you working on? Where should we find you next? I'm um, going to the Senior Bowl next week, be there all week, do nice. the game, and then uh, after that, Super Bowl for the international broadcast, and, and, and that's always fun. Believe it or not, it goes to 180 countries. Wow. Wow, I had that's a friend huge. last year who sent me a thing. He said, hey, I'm in Thailand. Listen, I can hear your voice, and he sent me a thing. You can hear us talking about the game. 
it just blew me away because, you know, they tell you it goes places. Right. But you're like, yeah, sure, right. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess we actually do. So I got that coming up. And then after that, obviously, it won't be long. It'll be combine time. Mm-hmm. And- and before we know it, the draft to be in Kansas City. Absolutely. Well, we'll see you in Arizona. Then we're looking forward to that. We're getting the station prepared for Radio Row, so we'll see you down there at some point. Appreciate you as always. It's always great to catch up with you. Always great to catch up with you. Keep up the great work, guys. Great to talk with you both. Absolutely. You too. There he goes. Charles Davis, CBS Sports Radio. He also does NFL Network, 33rdteam.com. Does a lot of fantastic work, and you heard he's going to be at the Senior Bowl. That's going to be in Mobile, Alabama. Be back in Arizona for the Radio Row for the Super Bowl and a whole lot more. And the draft will be in Kansas City, and we will definitely be there for you as well. 249 is the time. Take a quick break. Come back. Close out hour number one. It's Radio. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. I've been hating you. Too long to stop now. You're retiring, but you want to be free. My hate was growing stronger as you became a habit to me. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. I'm going to let that ride for a minute. You might not realize what that is because I had to double take it when I saw it today. And I even had to double take it when I heard it right now on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Damon, making his uh, producing skills, putting them to the test, found what would you say Kobe's last commercial nike commercial yeah his last nike commercial it was going into the final season you know the retirement obviously and that's called the conductor and i just love it it's a perfect encapsulation for kobe's career even had paul pierce and rasheed wallace in it where it's just i hate you kobe Bryant, and an entire arena is just singing how they hate kobe and it's just so funny because that's how he was just one of those players where he knew and he he loved that about the game, about the hate that he received, also about being loved as a famous Laker. But that was other 29 other teams that, I hate you, Kobe, because he destroyed every team in the league. No, he did. He did. And I thought that what he said was great where he said haters are a good problem to have nobody hates the good ones they hate the great ones i thought that that was always something fantastic to kind of live by um you know if someone if you always feel like oh man they're always hating on me that's a good thing because nobody just hates good ones they hate great ones right i mean because you're doing something right right exactly so it's always it's always easy to say that but sometimes you really just gotta take a step back and be like you know what i must be doing something right because that person really is irritated with with me or, or is really, you know, hating on me. So I, I like that. So there you go. Kobe's last uh, Nike commercial, uh, courtesy of DeMond Cotton right there. This is Unnecessary Roughness here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Coming up in a matter of minutes, Damian Parson from the Draft Network. We already talked a little bit of draft and quarterback position. And what do you think about what Charles Davis had to say about starting a, a rookie quarterback? I mean, he was just like, if you're going to draft him that high, you might as well basically he said let it rip. I wanted to interrupt him as he was going and say, you convinced me. I, I changed my opinion. <laughs> I was, I was, I'm sold. Got to start him, throw him into the fire immediately because, like he said, after like three games, you're going to start him anyway. So, what'd you do? Waste three weeks. Right. Once he said that, I was like, hmm, I stand corrected. Right. I mean, and again, you have to take the scenario, you know, you have to decide what, what the team is. If the team is a, th- a team that you feel like, hey, with this veteran in front of you, you can make a deep run, right? That I could see sitting a guy, just like the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes. They let him sit because they had a team that was already going to the playoffs. So that makes sense. But if you're a team that you just don't know, and maybe this guy provides a spark, the other thing is, and you can't think like the fans, you think like the fans, you'll sit with the fans. But at some point, who's the main attraction, right? If you if you draft a guy and he's got a hot shot name, and you're like, man, can't wait to see what that guy's going to be able to do, that could be something that gives the, the fan base some juice, to actually want to come see him as well. Like I said, you can't think like the fans because if you do, you'll sit with them. But it's also something, it's, it's part of the scenario, I feel like, at least for the fan base to get excited for. I thought about two situations there, and it's the same guy that it happened to, Baker Mayfield in Cleveland, and then Justin Herbert for the Chargers, mm-hmm. where I think it was Tyrod Taylor in both scenarios, where Cleveland, they start him, and I think they go on a little win streak, and it's like, man. Tyrod Taylor's got the worst luck in the yeah, history. Yeah, the worst, worst luck. luck, man. Yeah, man. If I was, man, yeah, he's paid. He's paid, but if I'll tell you right now, man, if I was Tyrod Taylor, if I was his homeboy, I'd be like, man, I'm going to drive me. I'll meet, <laughs> I'll, I'll meet you there. Hey, Q, you want me to come pick you up? No, nah, I'm good. 
I'm good, man. I'll, I'll meet you there. We're good. Yeah, I'd be suing the charges too, man. That <laughs> doctor, I'm, Justin Herbert, obviously, he was going to get the job eventually, like you said. Hey, mm-hmm. who's the main attraction? Who do the fans want right, to see? They right. want to see if Justin Herbert lives up to the hype. But I'm sure Tyrod Taylor wasn't ready for him to start. No, hell no. He ain't <laughs> been ready to start anyone to start. We did get one quick text from Jim and Yonkers. He said, D.C. started day one over Shab and McGloin, but we were rebuilding. I was at the first game at the Jets. He was throwing to undrafted free agent Rod Streeter. This rookie would be thrown to a lot more weapons. He would have to play in the preseason. Once you commit to him, you can't go backwards. Once Tomlin went with Pickett, he did not turn back. Same here. Who did D.C. get his first career win against? Started 0-10 Kansas City. It was Kansas City. It was Thursday night, right? It was Thursday night football. It was the uh, Tay Train. Wasn't that the Tay Train game? Wasn't that? That was the second win? What are we, <laughs> what are we talking about? Real quick, I just want to say, he got the, he won the job over Schaub and McGloin. That sounds like an investment group. It's not like there was some good guys in front of him. Like, he beat out the toughest of competition. Schaub and McGloin. Not like world beaters that he had to beat win? out. When they, they went 0-10. Didn't he get his first win on Thursday night against Kansas City? Oh, look it up. I thought that was his first win, wasn't it? And, and and that was when Latavius Murray went off. And then that's when Khalil Mack. Come on, Eddie. You've got more knowledge than us. Eddie Pascal's in the studio. Everybody. <laughs> he was staying in, incognito now. Now it's too late now. <laughs> All right. Am I on, Damon? Am I on? Yeah, yeah you're on. So now, correct me if I'm wrong. Now, Damon, could you look this up for me? I'm nearly certain that wasn't the Chiefs game, the, the game that we're all kind of talking where it's, about. Where it's pouring rain, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. I thought that was his second year. I thought that was 20, or 20. It, it might have been. 2014, 2015. 2014 was his first no, year, no, right? No, I, I think it was 2015. It might have been. Because wasn't, was Latavius the same, the same draft? Or was Q, you draft? were right. It was the Kansas City okay, game. Okay, I stand corrected. Boom. I stand corrected. There you go. By, by the way, since I've now <laughs> revealed myself <laughs> to be in here. He was just invested. <laughs> I was. Eddie came here to look at the studio. Yeah, yeah I was like, no, no, no. no. Put I was floundering. <laughs> yeah. uh, I got to say, love the new digs, though. I know. It's it awesome, looks great, it? man. It looks yep. great. We got the, uh, I will say, can I, can I give a tease of yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. flag that's coming yeah. to uh, the Super Bowl? Yeah. So Q was showing off before the, uh, before the show started going here. We got a fantastic new Raider Nation Radio 920 AM flag. Yep. And I don't want to give away all the little details that are in there, but it is pretty awesome. And, uh, and sources tell me, a.k.a. Q, it's, gonna make its, uh, it's making its debut uh, in, what, a week and a half when we go to Phoenix, right? Man, it's going to be crazy yeah. being there. I can't believe it's the Super Bowl time already. I know. And we had a hell of a time last year in, in L.A., but this one, we plan on making it bigger and better. Yeah, and I think that like we're really excited too. And you know, we'll we'll lift the veil a little bit. You know, we we have a lot of really exciting things coming down the pipeline. Things that we're excited to produce in conjunction with our nine twenty pals while we're down there at, at the uh, on Radio Row for Super Bowl week. And it's going to be an absolute blast. And we, we were talking before you got on the, the air that the Super Bowl week is just so unique in so many different aspects of it. But it is so much fun. It's get your sleep when you can yeah. because you're going to be talking a lot. Yep. Your voice is going to be sore by the end of Friday. Friday, but it, it is a blast, uh, and we'll have a lot of fun to talk about, obviously, the game. Yep. Then we still, we'll find out Sunday who's actually going to play in the game, mm-hmm. but it is going to be so much fun. Uh, Silver and Black Productions, X raider Nation Radio collab. It's going to be, oh, it'll be great. Do you have any uh, gut feeling on who's going to be playing in the Super Bowl? Ooh, man. Well, if I, I had to put I you on the spot? I mean, if we were on the, put me on the spot, like, I don't want the Chiefs to go, obviously. Well, right. Uh, so put me on the spot. I'm going to say give me a, uh, give me a Bengals and against my better judgment, Niners. Super Bowl. Wow. Okay. He went Bengals, Niners. Yeah. I went Bengals, uh, Eagles. Okay. I and, think Philly gets it done. And you know what's great? And, and the NFL has to be so happy because any of the four combinations or however many combinations, right. you're totally plausible. Yep. Like there's nothing that would happen in terms of the t- the final two teams that'll that'll iron it out. On the center. It'd be a surprise. No. Like I think you got the four best football teams that are playing football left, right. and two of them are going to go to Arizona and play in the Super Bowl. I think it's going to be an incredible Sunday this week, uh, and then in two weeks' time, it'll be even better at the Super Bowl. There you go. Eddie Pascal making an appearance here on Raider Nation Radio 920. He didn't know he was going to do it, but DeMond, he, he, he put him out there like that. Three hey, man, he's in the studio. Lucky. I like it, DeMond. <laughs> <laughs> Three o'clock is the time. Damian Parson, the Draft Network, joins us next. It's Raider Nation Radio 920.